Hey everyone, it's Tom Kradza, and on this episode of the Your Life, Your Term show, I sit down with Frank Angero to talk about life the last few years, how the heck he's gone from his BJJ Academy, investing in real estate, running a podcast about fishing, talking about all wild and wonderful things that happen in his life and in life in general, to now launching a beer that is going to be available. It's available at the LCBO, and I think he said 100 locations about to roll out nationally or in many more soon, and into a grocery tr uh, store chain soon. And it's the beer is called Ugly Pike Pilsner. So you have to check this out. It's got a, a picture of a fish on the can. I think he said it's a muskie. Um, I'm not a fisherman, so you know, bear with me there. But it's Ugly Pike Pilsner. So I just wanted to sit down with him to get an update from him on how the heck he's achieving all this stuff. He, he started a wine app for the Niagara Wine Country region um, that had a bunch of different things going on with that app. He just gets himself involved in a lot of stuff. And I love his outlook on life. I love the way he approaches problems that are in front of him. And this episode is just a chat about all of that. So hopefully you enjoy this particular episode. And if you are listening to this and you want to become a Rockstar Inner Circle member to get exposed to more things that we're doing here at Rockstar, and the membership has a lot. We have 23 different classes for Rockstar Inner Circle members. There's a 12-page monthly newsletter that goes out. There's a live broadcast, especially for Rockstar Inner Circle members, where we talk about the economy and interest rate and mortgages and real estate strategies and all that wonderful stuff and meet different members of the team here that we refer to as coaches that you can kind of work with and bounce your ideas off of and your goals. You can check us out at rockstarinnercircle.com. That's where we list off all the different things that we offer. There's a bunch of free stuff. And the membership, you can find details of the membership at rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash member. That's rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash member. That's enough with this intro. Let's get on with the show. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. We are live with Frank Angero, and uh, the last time Frank was here, I think I was trying to figure out how long it would take me to practice Brazilian jiu-jitsu so I could just, you know, take you down. Because lately, you don't even, you don't even, listen, when I kind of, I'm, I'm joking about this, and you're so confident in your ability and my inability to take you down, you, didn't even, you don't even flinch. You don't even, you don't even look intimidated by that comment at all. But I know, but if, like. Speaking, come and go to, yeah, if, pull, pull the mic to but you. But if there the we. ramifications are that we both end up on the floor, I don't, like, remind, you know what I mean? We were, we were talking about this as you got here. Remind me, first of all, the, 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 what level of black belt are you again? Um, I have a third degree, so three stripes on my black belt. Three stripes on the black belt. Yeah. Each stripe means that you've just been practicing for a long period of time, and then your instructor gives you another stripe? Yeah, I mean, they're... they're uh, Pull the they're, mic in. It's like you've never done a podcast before. <laughs> Pull the mic Pull the mic in. And don't hide behind the mic. Look, you're hiding behind the mic. Right, there we go. Right, there we go. Right. This new setup. There we go. There right, we cool. go. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, you get... Uh, in jiu-jitsu, every belt gets four stripes as an adult so you know when you let's say you have your first you know your white belt every you know generally you're two years at white belt right so um four stripes and then you get your next belt and and typically you get graded on how you're doing 
Um, at black belt, it more it's more because uh, becomes about teaching and and the passage of time. So the first three stripes are given depending on what federation you follow. It doesn't have to be this way, but generally the first three stripes are given three years apart. So no longer every you know four to six months are you getting a stripe now. It's every three years, which is good because as a black belt, the stripe just reminds you about how old you are. So I don't really care about how high my rank is, really. And there's a little bit of a yeah. law of diminishing returns there, because when you get a lot of stripes on your black belt, are you are you practicing anymore? Are you constant in all this? the time? This is a way of life for you. Yeah, I'll never stop. Yeah, got it. I'll never got stop. It. Ask my doctor. Yeah, it's it. my guts. Yeah, no it. man. It's, Why? Because of injuries. You know, it's hard. You know, I'm yeah. I'm 48 now. I've been. Yeah. This is my 27th year doing you're this. You're looking good. 40. You got a lot of hair. You're good. I'm 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 hanging in there, yeah. but it's because of jujitsu, right? I I really believe that. Uh, so you, if I did jujitsu, I'd have more hair than I have. Maybe any. I think that <laughs> I have heard the theory that it increases your testosterone because it's you know a predator prey type thing. It's very visceral. It's very. That's a, I had a naturopathic know? doctor tell me high testosterone means you lose your hair. Oh. Rick. So anyway, but we'll go with your you say side. Naturopathic stuff. doctor? Yeah. Okay. Well. Oh. Okay. Was that a little smirk at the <laughs> no, end? No, 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 no. I'm just playing, but uh, <laughs> um, I don't know. Yeah. So I know lots of guys that are. What about your shoulders? Your neck? How's the rest of the body? Um, shoulders and neck are good. The the probably you know what I'm in actually for the mileage I'm in actually pretty good condition. Yeah. But you know what I have a very good uh, chiropractor. Uh, in Niagara Falls, Chris DeFazio, she's the best. And she's uh, not just a chiropractor, but they have all sorts of therapeutic things like uh, their shockwave therapy gun that they torture me with. But I mean, it's amazing. What they're doing to keep me together is really good. So I'll hobble into their office and, and a couple <laughs> like, days later I'll, I'll go hob ahead. I'll hobble. In. Well, you know, I'll you roll. get injured, you yeah. know, like, and I'm, I'm not, I'm bumps and bumps and, you know, slight pulls and things like that. And I'm not talking serious injuries, you know, knock on wood. So, uh, so far so good. And, uh, but you know what, like it doesn't, you get older and you still get 20 somethings coming to the gym. Right. And everybody, everybody, well, not everybody, but a lot of guys want to see how they stack up. Cause I think a lot of people come in thinking, you know, the good news is now I have an army of, uh, you know, different types of people and, and they can take those, they can take those. You have a gang. For me. I have a giant, you know, yeah. <laughs> buddy, I tell you, man, like we just promoted a bunch of purple belts and purple is the, in my opinion, the hardest belt to get in any martial art. It's the, it's, it's like the first level of expertise in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. It's tough. It's tough to get through blue belt, which is your first color belt. Um, and I remember when I started at the Gracie Academy in the late nineties, there was, I think two purple belts in that, in that school. Right. So they were like the black belts because there was, you know, Hoist and Hori and Gracie were the only black belts in that building. Right. And they had a couple brown belts, um, Richard Bresler, who I had on my podcast. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, Ick. and uh, Lowell Anderson, two guys. And then the rest were, you know, a couple purple belts here and there. So they were like the gods back in the day. They were like the, the warriors. They were the guys you were afraid of. Uh, and now we've got a gym just full of purples. And it's uh, to see that here in Canada and to see that in a gym that I have is, uh, man, it's, it's like a dream yeah, every day. Yeah, very fulfilling, I'm sure. It's fulfilling in every, in so many different ways. Just like, you know, bringing a, a kid in who maybe has issues with self-esteem or bullying and turning them into somebody who just walks in, you know, with their head up, back straight, looking around at people. Like, uh, just helping people transform weight loss and stuff like that. It's unbelievable. It's, it's, it's very gratifying. And, and to create a community, you know, there's a lot of... Uh, 
you know, there's a lot of uh, disagreements in society with people telling other people about, you know, you know, the plight of this race or the plight of this sex or the or what you should be doing, and what you should be believing. But uh, we've actually created a space where nobody talks about any of that stuff because everybody is just equal to, you know, working to one end and helping each other. And no one ever says, well, that guy's, you know, black or that guy's white or that guy's Hispanic or whatever. We don't see that, you know, all we see is like brotherhood, sisterhood. And uh, how can I help you get better? Let's push each other. We've got a task at hand. Let's we've we've created that society that I think a lot of people like to preach that they we actually did the hard work. And I actually did the hard work over over decades and created something that's, uh, I think, a microcosm of what all these idealists want the world to be. You know what? You know what the lesson is there? Get off your fucking ass and do it. You know, don't just sit on the internet and preach about what the way things should be. Get off your ass and do it. Create something. Create something the way that you are preaching you want the world to be. Get off your butt and create it. And that's what we did. And it's Where does that come from in you? You survived the COVID years of all the kind of, you know, yeah. shutdown stuff that for a, for a studio. Is it a studio? Gym. Oh, gym. Academy. Gym, academy. I like to say academy. Academy. Yeah. For, your, for an academy like yours, that's got to be tough to, to go through. You survived that. Where does all this come from? Does, like, it was tough. Like the last two, three years, we've seen each other. I've been on the show. Mm-hmm. I was on the show during the blood and guts of it, right? I was mm-hmm. on the show. I remember. A year and a half, two yeah. years ago. Yeah. And we had a very lively talk before the microphones came on and a very lively talks when the microphone shut off. But... I mean, I think you can read between the lines. It was it was tough, but, you know, the way the gym rallied around the situation, you know, we don't – I'm very careful about who I let into this program. You know, you have to have a job. You, you got to – you can't be, you know – you have to be a certain individual, like someone that I perceive to be a, of good intentions and good ambitions and – and uh, so, so you, you're using your intuition to kind of have new students come into your academy. I probably turn away 30, 35 percent. Come of on. People. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you know what, Tom? It paid off during covid because we had a collectivity of people who were like minded that understood the value of what we were doing. In that so gym. you'll maybe roll. Will, will somebody start? I don't know. Is the proper language rolling at the gym? You'll just know that they're not they new people t- typically don't roll. Um, oh, so it's sorry. It's, it's new people you're turning away. I thought maybe some new, new you know blue belt no, walks no, no, in from somewhere else no, or no, something. No, no, okay, no. got it. New people, yeah. No, I've I've got some very uh, intentional questions I ask. We watch the way they do the lesson. I, I I hear the questions they ask me, and based on that, it's yes or no. You know, and sometimes it's no. A lot of times it's no, but it paid off because we had such an amazing group during COVID, and everybody just supported the gym. Uh, it hurt because. You know, if you have the right model as a, as a gym owner, you do things a specific way with your pricing. Um, and a lot of the money that you make, the good times are based on um, new student, you know, new student integration. It's really important to the economic model. You know, if you don't bring in new students, you might be able to keep your lights on because you have support with your, your core group, but you're not going to prosper. Mm-hmm. Right. So now now we're back to prosperity, I, I hope, for awesome. the time being. Yeah. But then I look at the macro environment and i know damn well what's coming and so do you <laughs> right we know yeah we just had a big event um where we had uh, yeah it was about 850 people that we did an economic update i think it was one of the darkest ones that i ever gave and, uh, and the feedback was good though the feedback was like okay that was pretty rough to listen to what's going on in the credit markets and what's happening with yeah. interest rates but we we needed to hear it so thank you so a lot you know of people the, need to hear it i think so too but i think a yeah. lot of people outside of the rock star i mean the rock star universe is pretty well informed there are a lot of self-starters people that are looking to do they're looking to do something right um 
you know, I had a text from a buddy of mine. We were talking yesterday and he showed me a text from 2000, him and a buddy of his were talking and he said, you know, creating all this money is a bad thing. And, and you could see his friend to his merit was very open-minded about the discussion. And, um, but he's like, you know, starting to connect the dots about money printing and inflation and what that's going to actually do. And of course, here we are two years later and now we're, we're starting to see the ramifications and we're going to feel them. Um, the, I'm looking behind you. I see the so- sovereign individual, right? Yeah. One of my favorites. Chapter two of that book is really cool because it talks of the fall of Rome. And it talks about how people didn't, like, nobody really knew Rome fell until the last emperor was escorted out in handcuffs, brought to his villa, surprisingly given a pension. Not shortly after that, he was murdered. But that's another talk for another time. But, um, you know, most people don't want to know about the bad change. And the messengers, i.e. media, uh, aren't going to bring the real message forward. Because most people aren't educated enough to digest it, right? I think a lot of people are looking at what happened in other economic cycles and downturns and ups and downs. But, I mean, I think the, um, the fact that, uh, you know, a lot of the liquidity was zapped out of the market, but we're left with, I think, an unprecedented debt burden right now. And that's what scares the hell out of me. So, um, I don't know. I wish I knew less so I could sleep better. Yeah, it's kind of sometimes when you look at it, you know, you can't not see it once you've seen it yeah you know and once you've seen it and you're right i think it's when when the debt gets that high it's kind of like when these central bankers talk about hey we're just going to raise interest rates until inflation is is killed and i'm like well your inflation (laughs) your interest rates don't live in a vacuum if you have 30 the u.s just hit 31 trillion dollars in debt yep and if rates are going to go up to they're at three percent go up to three percent they're already at three percent if they're at 3.2 percent 3%, 3%, I think, on $31 trillion is roughly a trillion dollars in interest payments a year. Right. A trillion. Current interest payments on the last Congressional Budget Office was like $400 billion the U.S. was paying. $400 billion, just in interest. Right. Now, it's when this debt rolls over over the next few years at these current rates, it's a trillion. But the U.S. 10 years like headed towards 4%. It could be higher. So the amount of money printing just required to pay for the interest right. enters us into a debt spiral that you really just can't get out of. So when you have a lot of people talking about, well, Tom, you know what? Real estate prices are coming down or hard asset prices are coming down. I'm like, hey, man, just stay the course. Yeah. Because the long game is this currency just can't keep its value. It's, it's At this point, it's just math. That's they right. They could play games in the short term. We could play kind of these games and they can say things like they're going to keep interest rates up for the long for a long time. Frank, we're going to keep up rates, for, rates high for a long time. It's not really possible. The only way they can keep rates up is that if inflation went to like 12%, then you can have 6 7% right. interest rate and the real rate's still negative. But inflation at 12% just destroys the currency. I don't so know if it was on your show or not, but I remember Greg Foss saying, it's going to be one and done. And he said, it might be two and done, whatever. And I'm like, all right, Greg. And now I'm like... Come on. Is it going to be 20 raises? Come on, one and done. Let's go. Let's get on the with The next this. 90 days. What happens yeah. between now and the end of the year is going to decide, a, the, you know, the fate of the next few years. You know, how bad is it going to be in the next few years? But uh, but the thing is, I say this, and if you're new to kind of listening to us, I think if you're positioned in the right ways with the right things, you can navigate all of this. I just want to remind anybody listening to this, like if you're positioned the right way, hanging out with the right people, you get through this. Humans are resilient. I saw my family go through this in the 90s in Croatia. Mm-hmm. You get through it. Yeah. Um, so it's, you know, anyway, we started, I don't know how we got here because I want to talk about your beer. 
How, how did so t- talk? It's, it's hard not to bitch and complain about the economy <laughs> and, and the politicians when I'm at a table with well, you. I don't know. It's no, you know like, what it is. Well, listen, look what everything you've been through with your academy over the last few years. Yeah, trying to keep the lights on. I mean, yeah. you know, it's been it's been interesting times, and and yeah. I think, but that's a kind of a testament to humans being resilient. Look, you made it through. You have a you know you have a great school, a thriving school by the sounds of it. You have a great team. You know, like getting back to the sovereign individual, they they also said in, in one of those early chapters that in amidst the fall of, of Rome, you know, and amidst all these bad and, and dramatic societal changes, which I believe we're fully in, in mm-hmm. the midst of right now, it's only the people that are of exceptional character and bravery that are the ones that are speaking up about what's really happening, right? So um, the surviving as a gym owner, you know, going, driving by the Dairy Queen that was open and never had to close, they sell, mm. po- you sell poison. You, everything you sell is poison for people. <laughs> Come on, you know, yeah, and then per- the weed per- shop and then the LCBO go to go to my gym and clean it, even though it wasn't being used. Um, you know, it was tough, but you know, y- y- we survived because we fought like hell. You know, I didn't just sit there going, when is this going to end? I fought like hell. And a lot of people that know me, uh, they know what I mean. You know, we didn't, we didn't just take this sitting down and uh you know what it's this is now at at, at this point it's like it's about our kids right mm-hmm. so i mean i'm not gonna keep my mouth shut i'm not gonna stay at home you know what i mean i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna do what i have to do when did you read the sovereign individual i just feel too you're like an international man of mystery uh no. you're like a black belt in jujitsu we're gonna talk about launching this beer you've read the sovereign individual i just wouldn't have pegged you reading the sovereign you, individual but i'm a a Bitcoiner. Yeah, you can't be a yeah. Bitcoiner and not, yeah, yeah, uh, not read the book. Right? You know, I read that book like in the early 2000s. Can you believe oh, it? Oh, you did. And I, I put it down. And I and I remember thinking when I read it, this is some important information. Like, I don't really know what yeah. to do with this. Info- I can see all of this happening. Yeah. And I and I was in tech, so I could kind of see it all. Right. But Bitcoin wasn't there yet. And uh, I remember putting that book down thinking, I read something really important. Mm. And I just really don't know where it fits with me. But I just want to remember, yeah. And then, uh, and then with the whole Bitcoin era, everybody started talking about it. Right. I reread it. Right. I'm like, wow, you know. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I have a degree in international politics, so I I read a lot of the classics, and uh, that really, uh, I, it's I wanted to go to law school, but I mean, uh, I didn't end up going. But I, I got this otherwise useless degree in politics that it's very hard to, you know, employ uh, unless you go into like teaching or, or law or even in, into politics, I suppose. But, uh, uh, but what it did was like uh, reading the classics and, and political philosophy teaches you how to think. And uh, I remember when I was young thinking, oh, history, you know, I, everyone says you need to know history because you'll be doomed to repeat it. And, but it's not that important. It's really important. You know, now that I'm older and now that we've lived through what, what we just lived through the last three years, you know, you you have to know history because you have to see the warning signs mm-hmm. when government's mm-hmm. going off the rails the way they have been. And uh, it's vital. So, um, you know, this was Bitcoin, the sovereign individual. It's all it's all part of it. You know, it's all part of yeah, you're right. understanding and society the, and, the and government. Premise, if you haven't read the book, the premise is that a lot of the centralization around everything, nation states, government, money, communication basically everything kind of disintegrates with the evolution of the information age and that an, a, a, a digital decentralized money will emerge um so a lot of what is written in that book just feels like prophecy because you're you know that book was written 
well before a lot of the things that we're yeah. seeing today happened. And it, you're just kind of reminding me, you know, not, I didn't expect to get on this thing, but the warning signs, I think when you say we're doing it for the children, you're talking about some of this stuff. I think when the government of Canada can kind of flippantly freeze people's bank accounts, I didn't expect to get into this. Mm-hmm. To me, whether you you supported that or didn't support that, that is a blatant sign that there is something wrong with the form of democracy that we're practicing here in Canada. Mm-hmm. And some people, I know some Canadians were for that and supported that. And I really think that it's because they don't have a good grasp of history. Yeah. And that's why I think what you're saying around history and philosophy yeah. and political science and you know some of that education just taught you or gave you a framework to think, um, it's important. And you need to know history because what we're seeing now without that type of context, you can just kind of wash it off. You could just kind of brush it off and say, ah, it's not a really big, a big deal. But when you know history, you don't really like seeing these are signposts that you don't yeah. want to see. Anyway, I, I, I didn't mean to pull. I, I understand. That. I understand the reference. To be honest, like nobody broke any laws and they were punished. Like some people were really destroyed by the, the freezing of the bank accounts and stuff like that. But I mean, let's look at it. Let's even take the controversy out of this. When was the last time you heard our government talk about economics that wasn't phrased in some sort of relief or stimulus phraseology? Everything that I hear in in economic talks from the government is just about like what we're going to do for you. Nobody talks about what created this, what's perpetuating this. What creates inflation? You, you're not even allowed to talk about that anymore. You can't talk about, you're going to get, in some form or fashion, you're going to get censored or censured if you say that printing of money and unnecessarily welfare perpetuates the devaluation of currency. There's a lot of people out there that will laugh at you, punish you mm-hmm. for saying that. They'll it, say you're against the Canadian dollar. Yeah, but like... But when, when have we ever heard the government recently talk about, you know, how economics work? Why can't we talk about that? This They this, don't know, Frank. Yes, yeah. they don't know. <laughs> <laughs> they don't know. You think they don't know? I think they don't know. They don't know. I think they don't know. These are, some, these are basic supply and demand principles. Yeah. Why don't we have a national energy plan? Yeah. Right now, like why in in 2022 with what's going on in the world, yeah. why are our leaders of this country at all levels yeah. not talking about a national energy plan, Frank? Because it's bad for the environment. So we're gonna get the oil from countries that I think don't have any US, environmental. I think policy. the U.S. had sanctions on Venezuela. I think they just yeah. lifted the sanctions so they can get oil from Venezuela because oil from America is bad because of of the climate. But oil from Venezuela. Tom, everybody's gonna turn their. They're gonna turn this podcast off. Well, it's not like we have all the answers. We're just kind of looking at the world going, what is happening? What is happening? (laughs) happening? Some of this doesn't make sense. Anybody help us. Help us. We need a superhero. (laughs) But how do you, uh, you know, what I just really admire about you is you jump into something. Anyone, I think, who has the discipline, mental and physical discipline to go through and get a black belt like you have, you know, tells me a lot about the person. But then you kind of jumped into all these wonderful things like real estate. You've jumped into podcasting. Now you're about to launch this beer you got to like, how does, tell the us. The beer is launched, yeah. But. Yeah, yeah, sorry. It's, all this yeah. was, look, I mean, I come up here and I always give you guys proper credit. A lot of this started with real estate and started with Rockstar and the your life, your terms is, you know, whatever you think of catchphrases and this and that. And like a lot of people say, oh, your life, your terms, ha, 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 whatever. But like, 
it's all real and it's all true. And you guys are the ones that got me thinking completely differently. And it's scary to be an entrepreneur, right? I remember right before COVID, I remember right before COVID, my gym was on fire, on fire. And I'm like driving down the road, Tom, and I'm like thinking, this is like a dream life. What on earth? <laughs> like, because I'm a bit of a pessimist, right? I'm like, I'm trying to think like, what on earth could ever take this away, these good times? <laughs> I had a young daughter, yeah. wife that I love. It would have to be something big. Like nothing could really you take know, it down. What, yeah. what, what's going to happen? Like, how, how? I think we're good. I think we're good. I think we're going <laughs> to I think we're going to make oh, it. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. God. Two Tom, months later, the whole <laughs> world shuts down. Everybody is at home. This was in 2019. You know, I, I had I had recently moved and upgraded my gym. Oh, my wow. expenses were sevenfold increased from oh. my old facility because we were getting so many people. Everyone's kicking each other in the head. There's no space. And then uh, um, uh, six weeks later into the new space, I ordered a whole new project in there because we, we, we still needed more space. That was, I think, January 2019, right? Okay, but so you got a good year. You got a good year. You're in a bit. You, you're no, we didn't. We moved in November. We moved to that space 2019. Six <laughs> oh, weeks later, I did oh, the Oh, November 2019. Yeah, by March. By March, we, we, yeah. we had our, our materials crossing the ocean by March, by the time everything was closed. And we had to finish our renovations when we were closed. But contractors were allowed in the gym, just not athletes. So... Um, you know, again, rough two years, um, this September and October, unbelievable. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Unbelievable. So it's good to see, it's good to see people back and at it. And, you know, I think. So where does the idea from, tell us the story of yeah. this. How does, how does the beer get started? Where does this come from? Yeah. You know, like, uh, I was reflecting on entrepreneurship the other day and like, I think a lot of people have a, uh, uh, an idea of like, you get an idea, you work it, you succeed. And, you know, and, and like my wife at home sometimes asks me, where are you going today? I'm going here. Well, why are you going there? And I think like entrepreneurship is about taking the meeting is about like going around and doing things that you think are benign become part of your job. Like you got to get out of your house. You have to get out of, you have to get with other people, even if it's for a lunch or, or a podcast or something because you end up meeting people. And uh, I had a friend that I met. Um, I met him when we were selling our wine app back in the day. Oh my gosh, yeah. 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 And uh, we, we stayed loosely in touch, not very much, but um, uh, he came to my gym one time. Anyways, long story short, he has a huge brewery in Niagara. And um, you know, I wanted to help him, so I connected him to some investors that I had met in my previous you know, corporate life. And uh, we hit the road together and tried to raise money together for his dream. And, uh, you know, that gesture, I think he appreciated. And then listening to, we did a podcast episode um, with a guy named Julian Kalka, who's uh, owner of a big lodge in Northwestern Ontario. And the, the lodges, those tourism, fishing, hunting lodges got destroyed. You know, I thought I got hit hard. He had a beautiful lodge. He was crushing it. He he, they tore their beautiful lodge down and put a beautiful, enormous lodge up the year before COVID. So we had a, a big, you know, bitch fest on my podcast, crying in our soup. And I mean, think the first 10 minutes of this podcast was bad. Holy cow. It was really bad, right? Because it was my show. And I'm like, you don't like it. Don't listen. Okay. You can hear my partner squirming in his chair. And uh, 
you know so but what we talked about in that episode was like um when the boat ramps were closed and we talked about our canadian the canadian national fabric i said is sewn together with anglers and hunters and i really believe that because fishing and hunting is a huge part of our culture and and anglers and hunters are amazing people you know and uh so sorry the boat ramps were closed because of covid yeah they closed a lot of i don't think i knew that yeah Yeah. so you couldn't go in a boat right because covid's in your boat yeah can't go in your boat in the fresh air in the, the middle, in the middle of the lake. The vitamin D, of in course. In the middle of the lake. Sorry. The vitamin D, the sun. So, they close, so that was a sign to you? Well, I mean, what I said in the show was like, we don't know how long these restrictions, at the time, these restrictions are going to be. If we have one, even if we have one generation of kids that skips these, you know, cherished and valued experiences, yeah. they're not going to grow up to be guys like me who are passing these Canadian traditions onto their kids, they're going to be detached. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really important that, you know, as Canadians, we remember who we are. And again, these are noble pastimes. These are good life skills. There's a million reasons you should learn to fish or hunt. And, um, you know, and you say that, sorry, I just can't yeah, help, but you okay. say that those years are robbed from people. And I just think yeah. also it felt like it was taking away people's, the value people were putting on critical thinking. I feel like during that era, if you thought critically about what was going on, you were dismissed or you were labeled, easily labeled as an outcast. And it teaches a society and it can teach, unfortunately, a younger generation if they don't have the proper role models, that critical thinking or challenging the status quo is not to be accepted because then you are just labeled in one category of society. And Mm -hmm. Not only do we need people outside and fishing and hunters, and we we need the ability to think freely and yeah. to think critically. It's both of those things together. I think your point is uh, is the overarching point to all of this, and and everything falls underneath it. I think that your point is is uh, it breeds a population that yeah. to me is I don't know if the right word is like docile, like it, it just pre it breeds a population that kind of just goes with thing and back to your sovereign individual book and the fall of the Roman Empire if you can't think critically and don't have the historical context to do it in you can't see what's happening right in front of you right, right now yeah. and it's hard then to prepare and there's an underlying angst in the society where they know they're not saving you everyone's working hard knowing they're not getting ahead mm-hmm. it just breeds this kind of uncomfortable unease in the community mm-hmm. and it doesn't have to be that way i feel like if you at least know what's going on it may not be great once you peel back the covers and you see how the economy's working but then at least you can plan and you feel like you have you can you know set yourself up for a future that you can kind of thrive in. Mm-hmm. Frank, you're bringing this out. And you're a, obviously bringing this out. I didn't re- mean to talk about that. No, that's okay. I've, I've had a real, realization this year too. Like I'm really trying to. Like you have kids, everything changes, right? So I mean, I look at young kids like in high school or or coming out of university, you, like your son's yeah. age, right? And it's like your son's lucky, you know, to have. Uh, you as a father, right? Like you, we'll see, lucky or unlucky, it's too early to call it, Frankel. Honestly, <laughs> Tom, so many hard lessons learned by your family, right? A lot of hard lessons, I'm sure, learned by yourself, but coming out on the other side of success. But a lot of kids are looking down the barrel of, of the gun of life saying, how the heck would I ever afford a house or a family? Like, I try to emphasize with these kids because it's like, 
how do you, how do you, it's funny you say that my, my son's actually it's really important because then you get these, these vulture politicians come in and say, we're going to give you things. And this is why we're here now. And it's important for us to empathize with the kids and the youth. And it's extremely important for them to, to create an awareness as to how we got here, because the government is not going to solve your problems, not in your generation, probably not in the next generation. And that's important. And without empathy, we're just going to be fighting with each other, right? Yeah, empathy. You're right, and it's so funny you say that. My 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 son is uh, working on behalf of an investor right now to find him a tenant on a new property they purchased, and he was running the income on someone who had a, a young guy who was out of university, had a good job at one of the banks, and the guy was telling him, "Hey, I'm you know they're make, they're making me work from home. I thought I was going to get to go in. He wanted to go into the office, mm -hmm. but no, they're telling me I have to work from home. I want a little bit bigger place because I'm kind of stuck in a really tiny place. I want to rent this house house out, but it's going to be tight." And the guy made what eight, you know Aiden had believed was a really strong income, but then when they broke it down and looked at how much rent was, yeah, Aiden was shocked. He's like, "Dad, yeah, this guy went to university. He's got what you I would have assumed." Pretty good job. Aiden actually know Aiden knows better just because of the some of the brainwashing that maybe right, I right. put him through. But uh, but uh, the income isn't is barely enough yeah. to pay for rent. Never mind buy a house. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, but to tie everything in to the first, you know, the origin of this discussion, uh, this gentleman who had since then gotten his beer operation up and running, you know, was listening to this episode and it struck a chord and he approached us for this project. Uh, and of course, he does contract brewing for his own label, for other labels. But, uh, you know, he looked at us and said, you know, I want to work with you guys. I love what you're doing. And uh, also, I think it helped that we have a pretty big fan base that we have a market established, right? And any new venture, when you're selling projects, the big hurdle is marketing. We had our marketing really well running, right, because of the show. So we have our next milestone, I think, is a quarter million downloads for the show, a lot of listeners, a lot of like, uh, a lot of really engaged listeners. We get a awesome. lot of emails and a lot of messages every day. Name the show so that Ugly Pike Podcast. If you don't fish, you're gonna hate it. Uh, but it's <laughs> Ugly Fish, po Ugly Pike Podcast, Ugly Fish, po Ugly Pike Podcast, <laughs> and the beer is Ugly Pike Pilsner, Ugly Pike Brewing Company. And uh, you know what? Yeah, yeah pull it out, pull it out. Pull it All right. So if you're not watching the video, I've got my cooler. We're gonna get some. Uh, some of our prototype you know, glasses. You know, you're a, you're a serious. When when the Yeti cooler comes out, it's ser it's serious business. I don't even really drink, but I do now. All right, so oh, this whoa, is. Whoa. Yeah, we're not oh, gonna. Oh, whoa. I, I I got some plastic cups. You got the real deal. Oh, there we go. So if you look at the back, I don't know if you can read that. I certainly can't. Oh, I can't right now. Yeah. No. Well, yada yada yada. Yeah. It talks basically. <laughs> I love the front. <laughs> Big picture on front. Big fishy picture. Um. You know, on the back, it talks about the messaging about preserving great Canadian traditions, basically. And then we talk about how the beer is, um, you know, as anglers and hunters, we... Uh, I'm going to pour a little bit in every glass. Yeah, yeah, I want yeah, you yeah, to yeah. give a give yeah. a feel and yeah. um, about, like, our approach to preserving and respecting nature and stuff. You know, this this beer is, uh, is, is out of a brand new facility. So 60% uh, less energy and cleaning. We're very efficient with our, our technology. Uh, and the spent grains go to uh, Ontario farms to help uh, feed the animals. So a good recycle component. So when you brew there. beer, the spent grains can be used. I didn't know that. Yeah. And um, we don't know if where, the cows like what where, they're eating. Where, but where, they, <laughs> where, they don't where, uh, where's the beer brewed? Where is it? St. Catharines. 
St. Catharines. Yep. So local beer. Yep. Are and you? Which one am I having? Uh, well, you know what? I'll sip this one because this is a normal yeah. glass. Yeah, I, feel I like want it. you to have yeah, some yeah. of the fancy yeah. glasses yeah. and just tell me how it feels yeah. and cheers. Yeah, cheers, dude. Congrats on what's it. What's your cheers in Croatian? Jivali. Jivali? Yeah. Let's do it. 10 a.m. beers. Oh, yeah, that's a nice clean beer. It's a nice clean beer. How, so what's the process like when you're developing a beer? Yeah, just fun. Working with your partner there. That you my said. partner lives in Riyadh. Oh, got it. My part, my podcast partner lives in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. So he's a, a developer, uh, an architect out there. Did he, did he just moved there recently. Was he, he always? No, he, when we started the show, he was here. We okay. had our studio, but about five years ago, he went back. He's been oh. working in the Middle East for a long time. Okay, got but it. he did a he did a kind of a commute where he would go for months at a time. But then they're like, "We need you." Uh, he builds massive, you know, transformation projects. It's really amazing. Uh, so when you get this idea, then you start testing different form. How does it work? Yeah. Like formulations of for, for the beer? Yeah. So, you know, I say what we want. And then what happens is the brew. What really happened was I went into the, the brewery and we had, you know, maybe seven or eight different uh, generic. It's really nice. It's nice, eh? Yeah. Like we. I don't even like. like I don't even like beer. Okay. So someone's gonna say I'm. We get this you a lot. all the time, and so what we wanted to do was create something that's like I don't like craft beer. Yeah. I say it gives me tumors. If I have one or two craft beers, I have such bad headaches. I gotta take a nap. <laughs> I hate craft. I don't like the heavy hop. And what I said was we want flavor, but we want to go to the hop, and then we want to back right off. So this takes you right there, and then it kind of backs off, and it's like wow. This is really crisp, right? And uh, But what we did was we had uh, seven or eight trials. We picked two. I did mass taste testing. I went out into the community, people I trust that have restaurants and good palates and people I know. Uh, we narrowed it down to the one. And then we did three brewing uh, revolutions with that. And I gave uh, feedback after every one until we got it the way I wanted it. The credit to the brewmaster um, over at, uh, at Dragon Brewing and Wine in St. Catharines. Everything I said I wanted with every new iteration, they nailed. I don't know how they did it with such fine tune, but they just crushed it. And this is exactly what we wanted. So um, it's really getting a lot of uh, great uh, reception and feedback. Okay, so Sales are strong. You, yeah, so where is it available now and how did you get into those places? Uh, yeah, so uh, if I'm you just go thinking to, for someone else listening, like yeah. how does an entrepreneur like you get this going? Well, but tell everyone where it's available now. www.uglypikebrewing.com. You can have it delivered right to your doorstep. Uh, shipping is actually surprisingly pretty cheap. Uh, so you can grab it there. And then um, we are being populated in 100 LCBO stores across Ontario right now. Our hopes and expectations is that in time, in short time, we'll be in all the stores. But we can't announce that yet. Uh, and we're also making a, a deal with a major supermarket chain across Ontario. And we're going to be in a position to announce that uh, before the end of the year. And this is just door knocking at the LCBO? Like, how did you get the conversation going? No, because we have uh, uh, my friend who built his brewery. He helped really help. Okay, so he had a connection. He started the conversation. Yeah, I mean, the product had to stand on its own two feet. We had to submit to taste testing. And, uh, and we did. And um, they loved our beer. And they loved our messaging. And they love the fact that it was uh, medium bodied, but still, um, you know, doesn't just, you don't make a face because you got that aftertaste. Mm -hmm. It just won't leave your head after. You know? And then grocery stores the same way. You had a some sort of connect, someone to open a door somewhere. Yes. We had okay. someone to open a door somewhere. Okay. But this gets back to what I was saying earlier about going, take the meeting, meet the guy, meet the girl, 
you know, you're never going to know, you know, help people. If you're in a position to help somebody, help them. And then because this, 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 this guy helps us now. Yeah, you know, awesome. We still help him now. Now it's a partnership. You know, it's not, uh, it's a partnership. You know, if we got, if we've got a line on something that's going to help him, we bring it to him and, and, and vice versa. This is to me, in my experience, this is what entrepreneurship is about, right? It's about building your network and, and just working hard and just, just helping each other. And, and we're, it's working out pretty well for us right now. What have been some of the challenges? I guess, did you have to learn about inventory? You know, just kind of managing the supply of the beer for the no. orders? To be honest, the challenges were um, understanding sales and marketing for this industry, which is a whole new industry for me, and just understanding how the LCBO works, how to sell into a restaurant, how to talk to a bar, what you can offer them, what they want to hear and what they don't want to hear. Right. So in my old sales job, I used to sell sports fields. Um, I, I knew exactly what the client needed to hear and wanted to hear. I this knew was what like turf. You were selling turf. I was selling turf. Yeah. And, and I knew exactly what people wanted and what their needs were, what their pain points were. Right. Pain points are huge in sales. If you understand pain points, you know what? You're going to be really ahead of the game. And so uh, that's to me, it's been my biggest challenge because like I'm a sales guy. And so. Um, you and, know, and I'm cold calling, gonna... I'm cold calling restaurants in cottage country. All, my mornings are cold. The call. name of this beer alone just must be a perfect fit for it. It's pretty cool. Yeah. You know, ugly pike, uh, we only fish for muskie, right? Muskie is the apex predator. It's the hardest fish to catch the fish to 10,000 cast, uh, the name muskellunge when you translate it back from, um, from Ojibwe into English is ugly pike. So, um, the good news is that pike fishing is very popular in Europe. And so we've had some interest from Europe. Um, we've already, our, our team has already been uh, over in Europe scouting um, locations for a brewery, a new brewery project. Come on. And probably a distillery project. We want to do a whiskey line down the road. So yeah, we're looking to get, we've got a, a, a distributor interested in Finland because culturally this aligns very closely with them. So we've been approached by... Uh, what about the fishing community in the... In the I, it doesn't have to be just fishermen, obviously, mm -hmm. but I'm just thinking, is that low-hanging fruit in the U.S.? It, it's huge. Um, and the problem is, like, I'm a face-to-face -face guy. I need to get down there. Yeah, got it. In the yeah. last little yeah, it's while, been it's to been travel. tough to travel, right? So as things okay. are easing, the first thing on my list is get down to the U.S., because I have some contacts, some investors, some people from um, from the beer business down there that want a very serious take a look at this. And uh, I think we can do some great things because we have in the Midwest, we have a very strong presence with our show. And we're connected to some of the highest profile media fishermen uh, that love us. Uh, and that we do favors for having them on our show and, and you know, uh, share and like their stuff and promote their stuff. And uh, I think a lot of them are, are looking to, to help us back and pay us well, back. And so just to circle back to this, I, I want to ask you something. There's a big fishing controversy going on. What's this? Oh my I, God. I don't even follow fishing. <laughs> and all of a sudden, my YouTube feed. Don't forget don't this know, one, too. I don't, I don't, what, we got, you want I, well, both? I want you to put, well, you to you put both want the, in your hand yeah, and let yeah, me know it. what glass you finish this one. Um, but yeah, what, can you just tell everyone what's going on? I saw somebody forward me a YouTube video yeah. of some guy at some competition just getting yelled at I guess I'm surprised you didn't get killed yeah so can you just walk us it was through? a wall it was the professional walleye tour so they're, they're walleye fishermen and uh they were like I don't know if they were performing surgery on the fish or if they were just shoving weights down the fish's throat but they were putting giant weights into these fish and also which I found weird was they were stuffing the fish with other fillets of fish why were they, I couldn't figure out why they were doing that was that they're stupid yeah, yeah. 
I, like if you're putting a lead weight in a fish, do you really need the fillet? In was there that too? just to cover it up in case somebody kind of opened the fish's mouth so big you couldn't see the lead? I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. I, I never thought of that. Maybe they're smarter than I am. But, uh, you know, the long and the short of it, these guys won $300,000 last year on the tour. No, or that Maybe much. it was last year or maybe historically. Uh, and they, they were And given, so people think they were cheating the whole time. Yeah. $150,000 boat they got too, stuff like that. So like those those tours, those fishing tours, that's, that's serious money. But when you're out there fishing, nobody's supervising the catch to when the fish is weighed or whatever. So like how would they... they some of them have marshals, but it depends on how big the water is and how big the entries are. Because like Ugly Pike Pilsner just sponsored the Muskie Cup up in Nestor Falls. We were the... Cool. Muskie Cup is a... If you guys go to our website, you can see under um, news or whatever the tab... Um, we sponsor the musky cup and like the musky cup is the stanley cup but carved out of wood with a big fish burn onto it right <laughs> awesome. and the winners are inscribed yeah, right yeah. and then the winners so this year the wing, winners drank our beer out of the cup awesome. ah, it yeah, was yeah. really great right uh, but they're on a huge lake and they had a lot of entries and so they couldn't really afford monitor you know yeah, so they have a video system okay. but i don't know somehow these guys you never know. There's a million ways to do it. You can yeah, yeah I guess you're hanging off the side of the day boat. before you can catch him. Do the surgery at your house, throw him in your live well. If nobody's checking, I mean, obviously they had some sort of system, but they got caught, and uh, that video was really interesting because man, those guys were pissed. The guy was cutting open the fish yeah. down the belly, yeah. opening it up, and these big—I guess they were like ovals or the size of little balls, yeah, yeah. solid lead weights that were stuffed in there. How I didn't understand how were they caught. Like, how was the first... Oh, okay. I don't know. Okay. I didn't know if I was missing that. I'm like, how did I, they... What I heard in a lot of those videos were people saying, I don't understand why their fish is heavier because ours are the same size and their fish is two pounds heavier. Right? So I think a lot that, I think that raised the ire of okay. a few people saying, well, well, these fish look exactly the same. What's going on? Why, is, why are yours so heavy? And, and I guess not? if they've won multiple tournaments, why are they always heavier yeah. if they're catching fish yeah. at the same size? So it sounds like these guys got a little greedy. Did you hear the the cheating in chess right now? Somebody put like Crazy. anal beads or something. Is that what that is? Yeah, apparently. And it would vibrate. Never heard that part. <laughs> Maybe I heard it incorrectly. <laughs> but apparently they were vibrate. These beads were on some kind of remote control. They would vibrate a certain way. So the person knew how to make a move on the chessboard. But who's that, who's doing the zap? I don't know. I don't know. It's That's remote, a fun job. Remote anal bead zapping <laughs> to tell you what chess move to make. The world's gay. Okay. Frank, we've been talking about how the world's pretty crazy right now. Yeah, right. Eh? <laughs> um, the oh, first my God. Class I, you know what? I think I think I like this this glass. You do, eh? I don't know. Well, so hold I, on, hold I like on, the tone on. of your voice because it's the voice in my head. It's like when I saw that glass, I was like, no. And then I drank out of it, and I'm like, I think so. Yeah. Right? It's a little Something fancy. About hold. Yeah. <laughs> you got the option in a low hold, high yeah, hold. Hey, yeah. It's lots of fun. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right? This, I would say, just looking at this particular glass, mm -hmm. this would be the standard choice. Like, if I thought, if I saw this glass for me, I'd be like, yeah, of course, mm -hmm. that one or this one. This one, I would think, no. This one would remind me of something maybe I would get in Europe. Hmm. You know? Well, it's a pill. They're all Pilsner glasses, right? Yeah, oh, Pilsner they? is... Pilsner Your beer, is... by the way, is reminding me of... I went to Oktoberfest in Munich okay. with my brother-in-law, brought my son. He brought his his daughter. He wanted his daughter to kind of learn. To, she turned 16. It was legal there mm -hmm. to drink. We went over for Oktoberfest. He wanted his daughter to learn to drink? Yeah. Okay. With him. Yeah. He's like... Right. he He's old school Italian. Frank, old school Italian. He's like, hey, listen. If you're... <laughs> He wanted his daughter to have a drinking experience with him by her side. We went there and it, I just remember drinking the beer and it felt fresh to me. 
Cool. Like, and I feel like I'm getting reminded of that with yours. This is a fresh batch. It was actually uh, a couple of weeks ago. It was uh, it was created. So it's uh, and the other thing is too, like there's no um, high fructose corn syrup. It's all whole ingredients, natural ingredients. There's only five. Are there corn syrup in beer? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Why is there corn syrup in beer? Don't ask. I have no idea, but there is. Probably, uh, I just don't know. But um, you know, the the shelf life of this is uh, is much longer. It stays fresher much longer too because the ingredients are. Are uh, are good ingredients and solid ingredients. So yeah, it tastes fresh and um, you know it's so very European. Man- so how are you managing things now? Like you have the academy, mm-hmm. you have this. You're running. You know, you're you're doing po- podcasts. You 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 fish. You do all these things. How are you? you have a family. Like how are you? What's your time management? Still do consulting in my in my turf. A oh, little bit you? of consulting. So what what is your time management like? I can uh, I'd imagine it's like a disaster trying to keep up over everything. How are we? What what strategies? What are you what are you doing to focus on things? How how are you prioritizing? I'm pretty regimented. Like I I mornings are for beer, and for beer business. I don't drink in the morning. I barely ever drink. Uh, and then when uh, when two o'clock comes around. I start lesson. Pl- I lesson plan every day for jujitsu, even though I know the stuff and like I, I I write everything down that I'm teaching. That's for the next day. It's for that day. Oh, that day. Yeah, because I do my my four to six year old kids class. Then I do my six to eleven year old kids class. Then I do my adult basic class. Then I do my adult advanced class, and then I train. So the days of the week where we have where I have that schedule, it's beer in the morning. You know what wake up with my kids in the that's obviously the priority like it's part it's the best thing about being yeah. an how old are they now um uh, one's about to turn one year and the other's five years old yeah so like it's very important that i'm when they come downstairs that they see me so that's really important and then they you know they start getting the breakfast all that stuff i'm on the computer a lot of beer stuff and then like i said two o'clock everything shuts off jujitsu takes over and then by four o'clock i'm at the gym so it's and then i'm home around nine o'clock and that's that's two days a week that that happens. Got it. And then I have coaches that teach the other two days, and then on Friday we have our competition team uh, training. So that kind of runs itself. And then on the weekends I'm at the gym in the mornings. How many podcasts do you release a month? Only two. Okay, so two podcasts. And when my partner moves back, we're gonna up that. But Strictly scheduled, or just when you have a guest booked, doesn't matter, or is that just set in your calendar? It has. We have to meet our publication schedule and how we meet that. What we usually do, Tom, is we usually do one mega episode and we cut it into two parts. Okay. So we're only recording once a month. What do you mean your publication schedule? That's something you guys. I want set? two. We want two episodes. Yeah. Before. Okay. So that's something you've set for yourself. Yeah, and it's important. It's, you know, it's it's important to hit those because we don't have to. Mm-hmm. You understand? Like as an as an as oh, an yeah. entrepreneur. Yeah. It's important that we continue to meet these deadlines, even though we don't have anybody to answer yeah. to. We, but we expect that once. Once we're just redoing our pitch deck right now because we want to incorporate the beer and everything we've done with the beer, and once that deck is done, we're going to go hard at sponsors, and um, and it's going to matter that we can say for four years we kept our schedule. We only missed, you know, twice. You know, of death. It was usually death in the family or someone had COVID. That, that was, those were the two, you know, ex- excuses. The one I couldn't even talk. The one so. In fact, the one episode, episode one hundred, you can hear the three guys on the episode, we were all in the same room, actually in real time, giving each other COVID-19. <laughs> Good. We all left all that friends. session. We all had all close friends. Oh, geez. <laughs> so you hear the odd <clears throat> little yeah, cough. Yeah, yeah. And of course it was a, oh, boy. It, was a, it was a disaster after that. But, uh, but sure. we, we keep, we keep, we're very, very regimented and, and 
you know, my, my partner is, is, a, is an esteemed professional and we have expectations and getting lazy is not going to get us where we want to be. You, you know what I find if I, if I look at most entrepreneurs that I know, they have an uncanny ability to prioritize what's important and to dismiss what's not important. Even though we all let things into our lives that are not important. Yeah. I find entrepreneurs who actually get shit done have this weird ability to almost put blinders on mm -hmm. and say, hey, we're going to get this podcast out twice a month and there, that is going to happen. I remember when we were starting this business, I had to write a blog post every Thursday morning and had to send out this weekly email every Thursday morning. And even my, if my Thursday was completely booked, mm -hmm. it just meant I had to get up earlier to do it. Right. But there was just absolutely no excuses. And nobody was over our heads saying you had to do it. But we knew right. that that was a long-term success tool for 100%. us to get this out. Yeah. And there would just be no exception. So I think what you're saying is that, you know, you're just kind of hard on yourself. And I think a lot of people aren't, they struggle with prioritizing the right or the things that will get them to where they want to be in life. Mm -hmm. They kind of let those things, you know, they get distracted and they don't focus on the right things. And, and I find that achieving things isn't that difficult if you just super focus on the thing, the, the item that will get you there. I'm not making much sense. Now. I think it's the it's beer. It's a muscle. Frank, it's the beer. It's 10 a.m. I haven't had breakfast and now I'm on my second <laughs> glass. Of beer. I know it's one can. It's, it's uh, going to take me out. One can of beer is going to take me out. Right? <laughs> it's a muscle that you flex, right? Like one of the hard lessons I learned in the last year was uh, as an investor is taking money out, right? That's a muscle you have to flex. Like, oh, I'm going to leave it in because if I leave it in, I'm going to have all this money. Mm -hmm. I learned some hard lessons. What, what do you mean? What do you mean? You just you just felt it Take was problems. bad? You, you felt bad that you were taking something? No, I didn't feel bad. I was greedy. Oh, okay. I don't need the money right now. I'm going to leave it in because I get more later. But I learned that as an investor, taking that money out is a discipline, is a muscle that you have to flex. And, and you have to learn how to flex that muscle. When you get profit, take some of the profit out. Because you thought if you left it in, the business would make even more money. I'm talking like I'm, I'm talking in this case specifically with my investments into crypto mm. last year mm, because it. we were seeing great returns mm -hmm. until we weren't. Mm -hmm. And now I wish in hindsight that I had listened to the people that were taking profits and, and wish that I had taken some mm -hmm. because I wouldn't have lost some of the money I did last year. But I mean, I got a really good education um, on it and uh, take yeah, and I applied it this year with my Graybrook stuff because mm -hmm. I've had some some um, projects come in and for renewal and maturity maturation, and they said, "What well, do you want to do?" And I'm like, "I'm gonna put it all back." And I'm like, "Wait a minute, mm -hmm. I'm gonna put eighty percent back." And I did that. I said, "I'm gonna give you eighty percent of what I took, what I made. I'm gonna let take the twenty percent, take the twenty, and let it sit in the account for now." Um, and uh, I didn't want to do it, but I, I I had to learn. I had to employ the lesson that I learned the following year, but. Um, I think when times, uh, when the economy hits a, different periods, liquidity is important in your own life. So I think it's super important to have some liquid cash at times. Like, I don't know if you remember right now, especially right now. I don't know if you remember over the years, we would put up this like three bucket strategy where like you should have cash, you should have like long-term savings. We wrote gold. it on the paper, the, either the last, the last time I was in here, you wrote Oh really? It. Okay. Cause I asked you, I, I had a property I wanted to sell and I'm like, should I sell it? Oh yeah. And you went into that spiel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Property still for sale. If anyone's listening, Niagara on the Lake, great <laughs> cottage, amazing property for sale. <laughs> I want a cash position right now. Yeah, got it. Even though it's real estate, and I, I believe in real estate, but I have other real estate. Sure, I want yeah. I want cash right now because I know the market's about to take a giant dump. It seems like the next three months. So we're recording this. What is it? Early October, and the next three months, I I really feel this is it. We're in. 
we're in the storm. The blood and guts. This is it. Yeah. yeah this feels like I haven't felt like this on our, in a real estate market, you know, since the nineties when our family kind of really went through it and where you're kind of staring down the barrel a little bit. Yeah. But I mean, I say that, and if you're holding property just, and you're getting around, this doesn't even apply. This is not a big deal. It's just, if somebody's selling a property and absolutely needs to, we know a few people who really need to sell real estate right, right now and they're in a tight jam. It's tough. It's tough. Yeah. And, uh, you ideally don't get yourselves in those situations, but I mean, it's life and, and, mm -hmm. and, that, and that happens. But if you can survive through this, this, the other side of it will be fine. It just, and if you can invest, like I want to. Yeah. And that's the other thing. We have some investors now that have some cash and they're picking up really good deals. Some of them right in Niagara where they're picking up properties. Real estate deals. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 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 One of uh, a recent one that comes to mind was listed. They were looking at this property for a while. It's, it, it it's a, they could turn it into a duplex, but it's large enough that they can actually make it into a triplex. And they were able to pick the property up for $300,000 less than a, than oh a few God. months ago, a person needed to sell. Yeah. And so they were able to get it. And those deals aren't everywhere, but mm -hmm. we never saw those a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. I'm talking specifically about equities and stocks and stuff like that, because I think there's going to be some really great buys this year. Mm -hmm. I, I, I think the market's going to have a huge downturn. And I, I think there's going to be some, uh, generational opportunities to buy into some of these stocks that I've been, you know, looking at in some of these sectors. You're getting greasy um, here. Yeah, you got a serious look on your face. You well, to... you know, I mean, like I said, I've got my buck, my real estate bucket. Mm -hmm. God knows I have my crypto bucket. <laughs> still a bucket? It's still there? <laughs> it's leaking it's a little bit, but, you know, it's holding together. Um, Was that a tear that just came from your Yeah. Right <laughs> I, I don't know, Tom. I mean, you know, the more I, the more I see what's going on, I... To be quite honest with you, the, the, I, I've never been more confident in the future of something like Bitcoin. Like the alts, like we talked about earlier. Oh, I thought you were going to say gold. I thought uh, what you were going to say, hey, I'm gold. <laughs> I love Peter Schiff. You know, <laughs> He's a smart guy. I gave a lot of money to Euro Pacific Capital. Did you? I did. Yeah, yeah. Because I love Peter Schiff. Yeah. This was before Bitcoin, yeah. right? And I'm like, I love this. This was after uh, Occupy Wall Street when he did all those yeah. interviews. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm like, I got to give this guy money. Yeah. yeah. Right. And then so I went to Toronto. They've since they sold that bank, they sold the services to another bank called the Echelon Wealth Partners. So they have a good part of my stock portfolio that they they manage for me. But they Peter Schiff was the one who initially brought me to the table there because I just I love the guy. I think he's great. He's a smart guy. Yeah. yeah the fact that he can't connect the dots to Bitcoin just continues to baffle him. Probably he can. must. He, he no, probably. he must. He must. You can't argue for gold and just not understand Bitcoin. Yeah, but, it's, uh, it's 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 uh, you know, we're almost on the same team, but he sells gold. So you know, he's got to do what he's got to do. And he does it really well. And he does it in a way that is. I, you know, it's real easy to hate people these days that are against you, you know, ideal, ideologically, but he's just, I just want to have a drink with the guy and just pat him on the back. Yeah. Love him. Yeah. Smart guy. You gotta have him on this. You gotta have yeah. Him yeah. Yeah. I don't know. We've never you guys reached have out breed, to breed love coming in. Or? Yeah. We have him actually, uh, next week. Breed remote. Love. Uh, yeah, remote. I don't okay. know. I never know where he's been on before. He's always in a different part of the world. Yeah. And then uh, one of my favorites, John Vallis is booked to come on again. I really like oh, that talking to John Vallis. He's he, he people. Uh, yeah, we get it. We I looked back on some of the stats on the podcast and his his podcast just had an incredible amount of listens. I was I don't shocked. Doubt it. 
Um, I heard you say on a previous one. I think I was listening. I think it was the the Canadian Bitcoin. I love that episode. The Canadian Bitcoin. <laughs> They're a good time. I love those yeah. guys. Those Joey guys and Len. Great. Yeah, yeah. There's gonna be some downtime. There's gonna be some significant downtime. <laughs> that part made me laugh so hard. So that's what I tell my wife after I'm drinking the next day. There's gonna be some downtime. You know, there's a, just on on that note. I just connected someone who listens to the podcast. You might be listening to this particular episode. Built a building in Windsor. Thirteen unit renoed it. Um, is mining Bitcoin in the mechanical room from the heat of the Bitcoiner. He's heating the water so everybody gets almost free water. He's got solar panels on the roof where he's using that energy for the building and also for the mining. He's calling it the first Bitcoin building in the world. And he's trying to get out. So I just introduced, I kind of shared his story around to some of the, some of the Bitcoiners that I know. And we'll see if we hear him. And uh, awesome. he's going to come on the podcast. He's going to come on, I think, I in for some time. Right on. Yeah, what he's done there is just kind of completely incredible. He's got Bitcoin artwork through the building. He's got all, uh, the, yeah, all, all the screens kind of showing some stuff. We'll, we'll, we'll do you listen to Pomp? I haven't in a, for whatever reason, a long time. Just, yeah. I don't know. He's, he's like kind of, my number one right now. I like Yeah, him. okay. Yeah. He's doing good stuff. I don't well, even know what I he's mean, talking about. He's just a good blend of macroeconomic talks. And yeah. With yeah. The, 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 the Bitcoin undertones are always there, but... I just, I just, I just found myself graduate, you know, gravitating to to his podcast. I like it. So what's uh, what's in your future now? You're going to promote Ugly Pike. That's going to be something. We'll see where Ugly Pike goes. Well, we'll I think see. I think we can, you know, international expansion. I think, and uh, also like positioning this as I hate using the word lifestyle brand, but you know, we're doing a lot of. I got a really great. Um, got a really great email the other day and, and a guy a guy it was an older guy he's like in the 70s or whatever 70 years old and he talked about all the things that uh, were of value to him by listening to the show and none of them had to do with fishing you know he talked about like when you talk about jujitsu and entrepreneurship this is, inspires me mm-hmm. and this is why and we had this really weird episode double episode where we were at a lodge and we just turned the mics on and basically drinking with these these fishermen and it was a total shit show and the one fisherman was a a girl and he said you know that that episode helped me understand how to relate to my grandkids a little easier and the the, that are their my granddaughters and how to talk to them and maybe some of the things that they're thinking and um it was really touching because like uh you know as we get more viewership you know people don't necessarily care if we talk about fishing 100 percent of the time now we have this beer and these people, I think are, a lot of people are being inspired by watching us kind of grow. Awesome. And of course, you know, the reason why I'm pushing so, one of the reasons why I'm pushing so hard with this brand is that so many people told me I couldn't do it. You're never going to make money in fishing. You know, uh, my father, don't ever take jujitsu. It's never going to do anything for you. What are you doing? Why are you wasting your time? Really? Yeah. I love when people say that kind of stuff. So what, what is your self-talk in that moment? You just take that as a challenge? It was hard. It was my, fa- my father yeah. was a super successful yeah. lawyer. Yeah. Right. And uh, I just loved it so much. I didn't quite care what he had to say at that point. And even though I was young and even though I was new to jujitsu, I don't know, man. So yeah, has your, is your, uh, your relationship with your father, st- he's still around? No, he died two and a half years ago. Did he see your academy? Yeah. And, and what, what did he say? Uh, my father wasn't the type to like gush yeah. and pat yeah, you on the back, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I know the type. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, he wasn't, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't quite like that. I mean, I'm sure he was happy and proud and all that stuff, but he didn't, he wasn't, uh, the outward kind of guy, uh, yeah. kind of type. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. but he did talk me out of going, going to law school, you know? So 
It's he funny. Did. The lawyers, even all though say, he was super successful. Yeah, but the lawyers say the businessmen all have all the money, and the businessmen say the lawyers all yeah. have all the money. So <laughs> that sounds accurate. You know what I mean? Yes, that sounds completely accurate. So Holy you know what? But I mean, I, I, I quickly realized, you know, and, and it was enabled, of course, by you guys that, uh, you know, it's more about time and creating time for yourself. And, mm-hmm. and it's cliche to say, do the things you love, but like the ultimate challenge to me has been taking these two things that I love and, and turning them into big hits, not just eking a, a living out, but turning them into big hits. So if somebody has an idea and they're trying to figure out if they should pursue it or not, some of the, I think the inner thoughts that you have can work against you. What, what, is, what is your self-talk like? Like when you wanted to la- launch Ugly Pike, are you just telling yourself like, of course this is going to happen? Of course I can make this happen? No. Because you've had some successes yeah. now, so it might be easier to talk that way. It's not. It's because you know the work involved. You know, you know it's a super heavy lift. Uh, I'm a pragmatist, you know. Am I, our, 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 the guy who owns our brewery, he's, he's always, you know. And, and I have a, a really good buddy of mine, a very good friend of mine. His name is Joe Panessa. He's like a brother to me and, and a mentor and... You know, I love the guy. And uh, these guys are always trying to tell me to be a little more positive because I'm just a super pragmatist. And like I was in corporate sales for 17 years and I know that you don't have the money until you have the money. Mm-hmm. Right. And so like, oh, I made a sale. Yeah, great deal. I'm not popping those champagne cars yeah. like a lot well, of other check people. clears. Yeah. Yeah. And to me, it's like there's no good news until mm-hmm. we're like until we see the money. There's no okay, so is that being so you don't get too high, but do you, do you prevent yourself from getting too low as well? That's probably the the my Achilles heel. What's that? Is being too much of a, a pragmatist to the point where it's really you'll drive yourself into the ground. It can be negative, yeah, at times. There's no doubt. People have told me, um, but I mean, I live in an ultra real environment. Mm-hmm. You know, jujitsu is ultra real. You want to know the reality of your you know, you as a bag of flesh and blood and bones, do you want to know where you stand in this world when everything is stripped away? Go to jujitsu because that's the ultimate. Sure. That's the ultimate reality. You want to try to set a goal that's very difficult. Try musky fishing, the fish of 10,000 casts. Nobody does it because it's impossible because you never catch anything. But to get good at something like that, you know, these are, these are extremely difficult things to do because there's not a lot of there's not a lot of uh, the risk reward not risk reward but the peaks and valleys the the valleys are very deep. How do you pull yourself out of a valley, or do you need to? You don't get got to keep going because you're going to get better. You're so learn. that's your self talk. If you're yeah. not feeling it, just next step, next thing, next day, yeah. keep going. Our logo's the bull at the club. Mm-hmm. You know, put your head down and go. Mm-hmm. Right, our, our logo. That's that's our logo and. Uh, you know, you gotta, you gotta work your life has peaks and valleys. If you don't, if you can't navigate that, you know, you're going to have a really tough time. One of the mental strategies I try to share with my own kids is that you can't decide what's good or bad today. You need to look back on it six months, a year, six years later. So if some, if something you think is negative today, it might serve you so well. That negative action today mm. might propel you mm. to the best thing you've ever experienced in life. So to think right. that something is a negative in your life, you cannot, you're not allowed to judge it in the moment. So never That's get too smart. high, yeah. never get too low. Life is a perfect balance. And if something great happens to you, then now this might sound slightly negative, but never celebrate it too much. You don't know. Yeah. Stay even. Yeah. 
you don't know what that brings. The samurais used to say, you know, you never, and the, and the good fighters too, you know, you don't, you don't, you'll see like the, the fighters I like aren't the ones that go crazy after they win. They, mm-hmm. The samurai used to say, you never know when you're, ne- when you're not going to have your next victory. You know what I mean? You never know when you, yeah. it's going to be your yeah. head on the yeah. floor. Yeah. So you don't celebrate those victories. You know what I mean? So in that regard, who's your favorite fighter? Uh, maybe not in that regard, but okay. like, who's your if you look at, if you look at a guy in old, old time, old mm-hmm. school, you look at a guy like Hicks and Gracie, you know, when he used to win, there was never any, no celebration. No, because he was very in tune with the samurai spirit. Mm-hmm. Like he, he, he just, knew, he knew it. He embodied it. These days I like Charles Oliveira cause he's just yeah. fucking awesome. Is he going to win against this Khabib's protege guy? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. It depends on what Charles we see. If we see the Charles that was his first half of his career, he was, he was very inconsistent. We see the Charles that's the second half of his career. He's just like Anderson Silva. So his right? Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is incredible, best elite, beyond elite. Who, who, who? There's so many levels to Jiu-Jitsu. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I don't know how many people listening know the community, but like. There was just a super fight, two guys. One guy was Gordon Ryan. Yeah. I don't even follow it. I watched that fight. Right. Yeah. So Gordon Ryan is doing things that nobody ever thought could be done. Mm-hmm. He's like winning at the highest levels, and he's bored. He's so good. This was against that guy Pena or something? Andre, well, he did Felipe Pena was before, but at the ADCC super fight, he fought Andre Galvan. Andre okay, Galvan. That was the guy's name? Okay. Yeah. Felipe Pena was uh, two tournaments ago. Felipe's friend had been uh, had been murdered the day before the tournament. He tried to get out. It was a big controversy. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember right? that. I actually remember. Yeah, yeah. The real fact of the matter is the guy's completely outmatched. Every single person's outmatched. Gordon Ryan is Wayne Gretzky times ten. This is because he can solve physical pu- puzzles better than who anyone. knows. But the point is, so they you know he has this rivalry with a guy named Andre Gavon. Andre Gavon is the all time ADCC decorated champion. He's won a million titles and this this and that. He's got Atos the probably the most successful, one of the most successful franchises in schools. Just, you know, the guy's just awesome. I've known Andre since he was a brown belt. Um, but Andre also was the guy who kicked the living shit out of me, the worst I've ever been handled in my life. I never felt, I felt like a baby training with him. He killed me. Just because of his size? No, he's my size. No way, really? He's just good. Yeah. He's on great, <laughs> got great steroids. Don't get me wrong. He's on all the steroids, but that's not why I lost the way I did. He was just works harder. He's he's naturally more talented. He just killed me, and I couldn't even formulate thoughts when I was wrestling with him. And Gordon did that to him, right? So like, there's these crazy levels to this man. It's scary because I can tell you, like, when people come through my gym and they don't really know much, or even if they know a little bit, I don't have a problem with anybody. Mm-hmm. anybody it doesn't matter how big or strong or and then you know this guy just is bored handling me and then this guy's bored handling him it's really scary when you because that fight it looked like he had his way with it it didn't look like a tough fight not only that but he had done the he had done his his division yeah so there's one thing no one's ever done usually when you get a super fight like you don't do the division too because you're tired right you want to be your opponent in the super fight didn't do the division. He's sitting there going, let's go, let's go. He's fully energized. Gordon did the whole division. And all of his matches were like a minute or whatever they were. I don't even know. But I don't even know how we got in this line of... Uh, Frank, you're one of the good guys, man. I, I really, I feel fortunate to cross paths. And I, I have to say something to you. You keep saying, you know, 
you know, we, that it's been maybe beneficial in some ways to cross paths, but you having someone like you have trusting us and you've referred people to us. That is also tons of people. Maybe the number one referred. You know, the the guy from the first story in this podcast (laughs) who who had the talk with his friends about uh, interest rates. That guy's a rock star guy. I didn't want to say it. I didn't want to shoehorn that in, but yeah. Oh, really? Go ahead. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, am I about to get a watch or something? Are you about to hand me a watch? Where's a gold watch? A Bitcoin watch? (laughs) A sticker. I have a sticker. Is that a steak Um, knife? Um, but no, what you don't know is that having someone of your character supporting us the way you have over the years has given us the confidence when you didn't know it to keep going. That's cool. Because when we thought, we, we thought, well, if Frank is referring people to us, Frank is a great guy and mm-hmm. Frank is of a certain type of person. If he trusts us with people, it, it, it gave us energy to keep going. So I That's need really to thank cool. you as well. I appreciate that. I mean, it's that. a complete two-way street. So That's cool. Thank you. If I had that. known that back in the day, I would have ran... Oh my God, these guys are, these guys so don't have their shit together. And, and, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if we have our shit together today. So hand off. Uh, so give, give us a whole bunch of URLs, the Academy. Yeah. How would people find the uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu Academy? What's the best yeah, URL? Guys, if you don't live in Niagara, but you're coming through town and you train and you want to jump in, just, uh, you know, go to, go to any social media, Pasador, Pasador BJJ, or just my name's Frank on Just Google my name, whatever. You'll find a million ways to, uh, to engage at Pastor or BJJ, uh, at Ugly Pike on Instagram or UglyPikePodcast.com will get you to our beer and everything else. And I, UglyPikeBrewing.com directly to the beer. Uh, just If you just go to Ugly Pike, uh, you can go to Ugly Pike Brewing, but uh, you can also just go to Ugly Pike Podcast. It doesn't matter. Or just type in Ugly Pike, but everything leads to the same entity. Uh, also, I have another podcast called Always Be Choking, which is more of a lifestyle yeah. podcast. Um I'm not publishing that on a schedule because since we rolled out the beer, it's just crushing my time, mm-hmm. but we're still releasing episodes. I have surprisingly high uh, number of downloads for that show for the, for the effort I'm putting. Uh, and I'm also building a podcast studio in my basement. And so when that's done, I'm going to ramp everything up because we'll probably add a video component and all that stuff. Awesome. So, dude. Super happy. Yeah. Super uh, excited. Glad the gym's going and uh, always happy to come here because, uh, I don't know, man. I think uh, I think we're the same, and that's why this has worked out the way it has. So, yeah, guys, I guess we're the same. Thank you. Thank All right, man. Talk soon. Okay. Hey, everyone. Hopefully, you enjoyed that chat with Frank. Um, he's a great guy. As you can tell, I love chatting with him. You can support him and support his what he's up to by listening to his podcast the ugly pike podcast and you can check out his beer and get links to all the different distribution channels for that beer and links to all the other things that he's doing by visiting uglypikebrewing.com that's uglypikebrewing.com and actually i want to say the url one more time because i think it's uglypikepodcast.com stay with me here i'm going to check it out uglypikepodcast.com uglypikepodcast.com